0: As defined in the Webster's Dictionary, connive means to pretend ignorance of or fail to take action against something one ought to oppose, but it can also mean to be indulgent or in secret sympathy. So I ask you, will you feign ignorance or be indulgent when you connive? We'll give you our thoughts on the matter in this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. Alright, thank you and welcome to this episode of Magic Gathering Under the Hood. As always, I'm your host Chris and I'm joined by Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hello, everybody. And first and foremost, at the top of the episode, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, feel free to reach out to us by email at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. And you can also do so on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. And with that out of the way, Joe, before the episode you were telling me about the commander that you're going to be building around, so take it away. (laughs) So
1: I went to the Sunday Commander this week, which happened to be after the pre-release for Battle for Baldur's Gate. Picked up a pre-release kit because they're able to sell them now that the event is over and everything. Uh, But it's, you know, it's still pre-release weekend. So I happened to pull the card Mirim Sentinel Worm. It is a teamer Dragon Commander. And essentially it allows me to make copies of my dragons. So I just got it, you know, yesterday, uh, but I'm already brewing some ideas. You and I were talking a little bit about maybe putting some good changelings in there for some extra effects. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think it's gonna be something new, something different. Um, it'll allow us, you know, to create copies of the the dragons, and if that's a legendary dragon, it makes it the copy non-legendary, so you can still have multiple of them. We'll throw a spark double in there, or a sakashima, so that we can copy miram and create multiple triggers for for that effect to create multiple copies of my dragons and hopefully just overwhelm the opponent with a lot of big fiery dragons. Unfortunately, I'm, I don't know how quickly it's going to come together or how overly busted it's going to be. Some of those dragons that people really want are rather pricey. Most of the dragons get printed at rare and middle. So. At least the really good ones. So, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be something fun. Um, I'm still working on my Kamiz Infect deck as well. It's almost together. I need to get the the ramp package put together and the removal package put together, and then I'll be set to give that a shot. Chris, I know that after the Modern 5k, you were interested in brewing some other things, getting another deck put together. Why don't you tell our listeners about it? All right. So one of the
0: decks that I love to play is Red Deck Wins. Uh, a majority of the decks that I build are more focused towards Red Deck Wins, being very aggressive, very fast, very low to the ground, and trying to get the game over with as fast as possible. Um, and so with the regional regional championship qualifiers, you know, around the corner, as soon as we find one. Right. Those are pioneer format, and I mostly play in modern. So I may, so I retooled, tweaked, and rebuilt my red deck, uh, red deck wins, into being modular. Uh, So I can substitute certain cards for others that I have, and I can change it from either being a modern deck or a pioneer deck, so that I can essentially have two decks in one. So that's kind of what I've been working on, and the whole premise of it is. Small creatures that attack, uh, turn them sideways, but have, like, uh, of, Cavalcade of Calamity. Um, so, whenever a creature with power one or less attacks, Cavalcade deals one damage to the defending player. Pings the player, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I also have, I have four copies of that, and then two copies of Raid Bombardment, which is uh, the same thing, except it's uh, power two or less. Oh, okay. But it does cost one more. So, okay. instead of costing two, it costs three. Um, but, and then the real MVP of that is Torbrand, because he's turning yeah. each one of those instances of damage, he's taking it from a ping into a, sh- into a bolt. Nice. So it's taking it from one damage to three damage for each instance. Mm-hmm. So if I have Torbrand, I can, if I have four creatures out, I can literally swing for lethal. Um, depending on what creatures I have and whatnot, um, on the board, because I have, a. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Scorch Spitter. Where whenever he attacks, he deals one damage oh, nice. to a defending player. So as soon as I get, as soon as I turn him sideways, he's three deal- damage automatically with Torbrin. Three damage there, plus Cavalcade. That's another three, and then Oof. three on the board. So that's nine damage just from one source. And if I have multiple creatures, from a
1: one-one, let's point that from a one-one. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So mean, but awesome. Oh yeah, like <laughs> I excel at. Like, red
0: decks. Yeah. Like, red, red and green are my bread and butter. I mean, I love aggressive decks. Mm-hmm. So, I've been having a lot of fun brewing that. Uh, nice. At some point, you and I have to play so I can actually get some reps in with it.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll take it up against the,
0: the, the Orzhov Prison deck, see how it does. Oh, that'll be a really <laughs> interesting one. All right. So, with all of that out of the way, let's move on to our words to live by. Um. So... Joe, I see that this first one is there, and I know for a fact that that one word, me, uh, all the cards that have
1: that one word in it are all banned. That's correct. So this, this particular set of words to live by is, again, we're really looking at some of our newer players, people that are coming to the game and may hear some things, may hear some words, and we want to give you some information about them so that you're aware of what's going on. And you are also aware that both of these words are not permitted within any sort of game. So the first word is ante. Now, this actually does come from the comprehensive rules for the definition and the ruling behind it. So the ante is actually a zone of the game, and it is used when you are playing, quote, for keeps, unquote. And it also means that you're going to put a card into the ante zone. However, there are specific rules regarding the anti zone and the idea of playing for anti. And so we're going to go to rule 407 of the comprehensive rules to give you a clear definition of how antiing works within magic at this point. So earlier versions of the magic rules did include anti as a way of playing for keeps and the idea being you would draw your first seven cards off the deck and then the eighth card would go into the anti-zone and so whoever won the game got both cards out of the anti-zone and that was it it went back like to the history of how the decks were put together because really the best way or one of the ways to to get additional cards was to play against your opponents and so you would you know hopefully win games and get some new and different cards off of their deck all right However, uh, it's now considered an optional variation on the game, and it's only allowed where it's not forbidden by law or by other rules. And we do want to point out, as Chris said, anti-cards are at this point all banned in any organized play. So if you and your buddies want to do something, hey, your rules. Um, But most of the time, you got to check out, I mean... It's essentially could be considered gambling at that point. And so we don't want to get into that idea. Uh, most people that you talk to will never play for anti. I mean, we, we don't even consider it. Um, and like I said, we use the ban list from Wizards, so all the cards with anti on them are all banned. The last part of this rule, though, is important. Playing for Anti is strictly forbidden under the Magic the Gathering Tournament rules. So you are not allowed to play for ante at any sanctioned event and most locations where you go to play, your LGS or any larger unsanctioned event um, will also forbid you for playing for Anti, alright, that's, that's basically the way it works. So, if you see that on a card, yes it did exist, yes it was part of the game for a while, it is not anymore. Ignore the cards, don't use them, and if you do see someone else bring it into the game, Probably a good idea to just, you know what, let, let's let not be a part of that game anymore. So, Chris, what about our second word to live by? All right, the
0: second one is bribery. And bribery is making an offer of reward or incentive to influence another player's decision to drop, concede, or agree to an intentional draw. And this is prohibited by magic tournament rules. And there are different penalties at different levels. Uh, rules enforcement levels. All
1: yeah, on. so uh, when we talk about that, bribery is of course not permitted. Um, but if you if you get into it at a competitive REL event, it will probably get you disqualified. All right. Um, and if you're doing it at a regular REL event, if you if the judge has a reasonable belief that you didn't know it was not permitted, they may give you a slap on the wrist. But if they can figure out that yeah, you probably knew what was going on then uh, they will they will probably also disqualify you, especially if you try to do it on a regular basis. Um, so, yeah, bribery. We'll get into the show focus now of
0: K'Nive. And uh, so I'll take it away with the history, mm-hmm. and then Joe will jump in with the rules. So, it premi- so K'Nive premiered in the Streets of New Capenicet of May 2022. Um, it is based off of the loot concept, uh, draw a card, then discard a card. And it's specifically designed with the concept of looting away spells rather than lands. Uh, most people uh, typically loot away a land card from their hand if able, because mm-hmm. at, if you're looting it away, you don't really, um, you don't really, you don't need it. Need it.
1: Typically at the, yeah. Unless you, unless you're really getting hit with with mana, where it's not working out for you, afford to get rid of the land. You, know, you need the spells. And uh,
0: so, connive incentivizes the player. Uh, to make a more strategic decision um all right i'm gonna go on a small little tangent here okay um the difference between strategic and tactical okay so a strategic decision is the big picture got it um think of it as the game in the whole okay um but a tactical decision would be a turn okay. it is only one instance one uh, multiple Tactical situations make up a strategy. So, a bit of useless knowledge that I have from the military. I did not know that. So, there's a difference between strategy and tactics. Okay. And that's the big difference is whether or not it's... Micro or macro. Nice. All right. All right. So with all of that, Joe, what are the
1: rules? Because it looks like there's a little bit of a wall, but not that bad. It's not that bad. So the rules for connive come to us from the keyword uh, keyword actions section of the comp rules. 701.47 is connive. So 701.47A, certain abilities instruct a permanent to connive. To do so, that permanence controller draws a card, then discards a card. If a non-Land card is discarded this way, that player puts a plus one, plus one counter on the conniving permanent. 701.47B, a permanent connives after the process described in 701.47A is complete, even if some or all of those actions were impossible. 701.47c, if a permanent changes zones before an effect causes it to connive, its last known information is used to determine which object connived and who controlled it. This is important for another point, and we can talk about that later, but mostly has to do with what we call reflexive triggers, where there is a connive, and then when you connive, something else happens. Um, And so if you were to get rid of the creature while the connive idea is on the stack, um, when you do the conniving, if you like kill the creature in response to the connive trigger, the reflexive trigger will still happen because right? it's all part of one of them. 701.47D, if multiple permanents are instructed to connive at the same time, the first player an active player, non-active player order who controls one or more of those permanents chooses one of them and it connives. Then, if any permanents remain on the battlefield, which have been instructed to connive and have not done so, this process is repeated. 701.47E, connive N, is a variant of connive. The permanent controller draws N cards, discards N cards, then puts a number of plus one, plus one counters on the permanent, equal to the number of non-land cards discarded this way. There aren't too many creatures out there with connive N, uh, rafine is the scheming seer is probably the most notable one it has connive x uh it that one uh gives creatures connive. sorry gives creatures okay it uh, gives creatures
0: connive yeah. x all right
1: so yeah it exists but it's pretty infrequent connive is a really interesting ability it's a lot of fun and as we can see as we start talking <laughs> about our featured cards we're going to start with the big one and just get it out of the way so we can uh we can talk about this featured card chris what's the big one for connive so i actually saw
0: a lot of these at the 5k but i'll get into the 5k I Believe it <laughs> at the end of the episode during our scuttlebutt uh-huh and our first featured card is ledger shredder it's a uh, bird advisor creature for one in a blue it's a one three with flying and whenever a player casts their second spell each turn ledger shredder connives uh so draw a card discard a card if you discard a non-land put a plus one plus one counter on it uh this one uh ledger Shrider was in a lot of uh Tide decks yeah. Um, because they use uh, dragon rage channeler which has delirium mm-hmm. so by conniving away cards that they don't need mm-hmm. just to hit the delirium this one put in a lot of work for them well, not to mention it gets bigger <laughs> well, it gets bigger, and also it's not just you. It's either right. player, either player. Whenever they cast their second spell, well, yeah. guess what? Um, with the Murktide decks or decks that are playing, or like, is it is it decks? Hmm. Decks that are playing a lot of spells. Yeah. Um, they can do two spells on. Oh yeah. Almost every turn. Oh yeah, easily. Um, if I had more of these, I was actually going to build a. Uh, home and is it burn deck oh there you go <laughs> with uh lava darts <laughs> yeah because guess what i can go lava dart, sacrifice a, a mountain sacrifice a knife an, um, do another do another another lava dart or just do two lava darts on my turn mm-hmm. go to the next turn flash those back yeah there's another
1: one and that's just you let alone mm-hmm. if your opponent
0: it's casting multiple is
1: casting multiple spells each turn as well mm-hmm. yeah ledger shredder it is It is the breakout card, and I'm pretty sure, I am pretty sure, Research and Development looked at this and said, you know, if we only let it connive when they cast their second spell each turn, I bet that's going to be fine. In limited. (laughs) And maybe standard. But once you get back to Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, I mean, every format plays this card. I think it's even showing up in Vintage. Yeah. Every for, the, there there is a place for this card in every single format. If that um,
0: doesn't tell you how powerful it is, a card from the newest set has made a home in vintage. Yeah, which that's where you can
1: play the power nine at restricted stats. Yeah. you you can now. You're probably only, they may only play one copy of it per yeah. deck. But at the same time, the fact that they are that that vintage legacy and vintage decks are pulling this card and saying, yeah, you know what? I want a copy of this in my deck. It'll help improve it. That really says something about the power level of this card. And if that doesn't tell you, it's a rare from the newest set that is valued at more than $20 per copy at this point, which is a non-foil copy. Right. Non-foil. And it's not one of the rare lands. Cause the rare lands typically will get up there at some point, mm-hmm. people want them, especially right off the bat, but for a regular creature rare to just show up and be valued at that much, that, that says a lot. Our next card is Rafine's Informant. It is a creature human wizard, 2-1 one for one generic and a white. And it has, when Rafine's Informant enters the battlefield, it connives. This card is actually doing a lot of work in limited. Um, one of the, the podcasts I listen to on a fairly regular basis, Limited Resources, uh, hosted by uh, Marshall Sutcliffe and uh, Louis Scott Vargas, both accomplished limited players, extremely accomplished limited players. They have been saying that Rafine's informant is probably one of the top commons of the entire set. And if you see one, you take it. You never pass a Rafine's informant. It's a 2-1 for 2 that when it ETBs connives, boom. That's all you need. You know, Essent- it's
0: fantastic. So if you connive the right way, essentially you're paying 3 mana for a 3-2. Yeah. Sorry, 2 mana for a 3-2. Yep. They can attack on turn
1: 3. Yep. That's- e- <laughs> and even if it just eats another creature, you, even if you have to use it as a blocker and it eats another creature, it's still eating something with 3 toughness, which is typically pretty good. I mean... Assuming you did the connive, you know. I mean, there are
0: vehicles, yeah. that have crew costs of like three, have crew costs of like three, yeah, that you can get out pretty early. And the fact that this thing can come in and potentially be a th- have power three, and as soon as it hits the field, all right, let's go crew. Um, yeah, I can definitely see why that's kind of a powerhouse. Yeah, it, it's doing some really awesome work in limited. All right, so. The next featured card is actually Rafine, Scheming Seer. He is the—they are the head of the Obscura family. Yep. Um, it's a legendary creature, Sphinx Demon, cost white, blue, black. Uh, it's a one-four, flying, ward one, and whenever you attack, target attacking creature, connives X, where X is the number of attacking creatures. Um, so, as we said in the uh, rule section, connive N this is the instance where it is yeah um so with this one like i'm building a commander deck around him because i want to do the whole mob war thing of course um and so it is so weird in white blue and black to build a deck that wants to go wide yeah i know it trust me i know
1: (laughs) it is so
0: weird trying to build a deck to go wide in those colors because
1: it just doesn't it's just not naturally in those colors. No. But it's so weird. It, even making a an Esper deck that is aggressive, it is unusual. Most of the time it's controlling or you're using artifact or flying synergies or something. But to make one that's just straight up aggressive is is different. But I like
0: it. It's fun. So I will tell you one win condition that I have in here that I'm putting into my commander deck. For? Phyresis? No. Uh, that's his Oracle. And I'm going to do it with a bunch of thop, and I plan to go wide with like a bunch of thopters and artifact okay. creatures and stuff. So my whole i my whole idea for this deck is to go as wide as I can, swing in, can I for a massive amount, right? And then go, okay, what's my uh, what's my devotion to blue? All right, cool. Thassa's Oracle, I win.
1: Yeah, that'd
0: be pretty cool. I- I'm pretty much going to be do- doing a. Go wide token self mill strategy, which will be so weird, but clever and cool. It's different, and yeah. it, this is a new build space that I am absolutely loving because I have to. I am thinking so far outside the box on this yeah. one. It's
1: not even funny. And Rafine in particular, because it doesn't require Rafine to attack. Rafine is really is more of an enchantment, rather than it's it's an enchantment with the creature super type. Uh, or the creature, sorry, the creature card type. So it's it, it really is designed to just sit there on the battlefield and let its triggered ability to go off.
0: He's meant to just be a scheming seer and exactly. just watch everything just watch play it, out. Exactly, but um, not really attack. Uh, and because it's in white, of course I'm putting reconnaissance in it. Be careful, because doesn't that remove them from, from combat? Yes, but I'm so going...
1: you got to wait, wait when you do it.
0: Yes, but if there's a way that I can make... Multiple token. If I can make tokens off of something, uh-huh. all I have to do is swing with that on the on one turn, do the whole untap chain against with reconnaissance, create a whole bunch of tokens. We'll have to we'll have to look at it, and then go to and then hopefully make it around the next turn, and then I can go even wider. Okay, we'll we'll have to look at it. it it's going to be make incremental sure works. growth yeah. without well, not the card incremental, yeah. incremental growth, but <laughs> all right, right,
1: So our next card is actually the face commander of the precon deck. This is Kamiz Obscura Oculus, and again, this is one of the commanders that I'm working at. Whenever you attack, target attacking creature can't be blocked this turn, it connives. Then choose another attacking creature with lesser power, that creature gains double strike until end of turn. And again, it's, it's that same idea of creating an aggressive Esper deck. You just you don't see this on a regular basis, and especially with Rafine. again, the more creatures you have attacking, the better is you want at least two so that you can hit both sides of that triggered ability and because if you're not you're just you're wasting the second half of the trigger so uh it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm excited and this is one of those if you, if you have a chance to go pick up that pre-con i highly recommend it it's a great deck great deck straight out of the box you said something that actually made me realize something yeah we are
0: building we are trying to build decks as thinking esper yes What we need to do is think obscura. Well, I'm just using. Well, I I know, but I'm just using. You can kind of see where the headspace is. We're we're so. When we see Esper, Esper we get narrow.
1: We get. Control artifacts, that kind of idea from Alara, right. We are very.
0: When you hear Esper, you think very narrow. Yeah. But if you think obscura, it goes wide. Right. So, I I think I just broke my
1: uh, brewer's block on that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we have one more that we want to talk about. This is also from the the uh, Obscura Precon, and it's a card that is becoming highly valued for a number of different reasons. Chris, tell us about it. All
0: right, so it is Lethal Scheme. It's an instant for two black black. Uh, it has Convoke. Uh, I don't think we've talked about Convoke. We
1: have not, but we will at some point. All right,
0: so Convoke, uh, your creatures can help pay for this uh, spell. For each creature, you tap while casting this spell it pays for one generic or one mana of that creature's color so if you want to connive the entire thing you could you just if have you to tap, convoke convoke sorry,
1: convoke sorry entire thing yeah. if you yeah. want to
0: convoke uh for the whole cost you would have to tap four creatures two of them would have
1: to be black yes but you would have to pay no mana from lands or mana sources yep so works out really if well. you have a bunch of tokens uh because it doesn't
0: go off of like the pips in it, it goes off of what color it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, your tokens, this is where tokens are absolutely shine is with convoke. Mm-hmm. Um, because they can,
1: right. Cause they're given, they are typically given a color on their creation and they remain that color, even though they don't have that colored pit. Yep. Um, and... and now the actual point of the card, what All it right. does
0: <laughs> now, now for the bread and butter of this card, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Each creature that convoked lethal scheme connives. So you are incentivized to convoke the spell if you want to connive. Right. Okay, I might have to pick up the Obscura...
1: The I know obscure... the, the Obscura precon is just amazingly valued. It's it's fantastic. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's a that, that's a six dollar card right there. That and that it also has smuggler's share or something like that, which is a ramp and card draw spell. But that's um. But yeah, Lethal Scheme, uh, enabling up to four creatures to connive, and then you also destroy target creature or planeswalker. That's amazing. At instant speed. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Targeted re- targeted removal. Yeah. Four creatures get to
0: connive. Which up mean, to. But up, sh- up to four. Let's say probably two. All right. Probably two, but still. Up to four creatures connive. So you can do this on the instep. Yeah. Cannot use your creatures to play the Convoke, destroy the biggest problem on the board, those four creatures connive, and then you get to untap on your turn and they're all big and potentially potentially they're all bigger.
1: Potentially they're all bigger. Oh, and let's not forget, you just drew four cards out of your library too. So you not only did that, but you got rid of the four worst cards in your hand. In exchange to now you put four better cards in your or you now have four the four best cards in your hand. Yeah, I know. That's why Lethal Scheme is just amazingly good. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that card. It is phenomenal. All right, I need to.
0: All
1: right, I'm definitely going to need to save
0: these show notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah. So the dominant colors for this set. It is. It is a a, 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 an Esper uh, ability. Obscura. Obscura. So we have two in white, six in blue, three in black, three multicolor, and from the commander deck we have two blue, one black, and two multicolored cards all of them feature connive. again it's it's just it's awesome we we did talk about how there is a limited connive deck one that you can definitely put together in limited um, and when we were when i was going back and again doing some research for this episode one of the ideas that popped up significantly was the way the the set had been balanced for limited And typically when you get a limited set, they they do try to balance everything so it all works out together. It never quite works that way. There always ends up being a best deck. But far and away, top players have said blue-white is the basis for a successful limited deck, which means you are conniving, you are using shield counters. So if you add on top of it the idea that not only are you conniving but you could end up putting a shield counter on the creature that connived so that it will be guaranteed to connive again. <laughs> it's pretty amazing what you're able to do with, with this particular ability. So with that being said, let's talk about what do you do when you are actually going to look at a connive deck. All right,
0: so if you're going to be playing with connive, first and, foreno- first and foremost...
1: Do not be afraid to connive. I don't think we can emphasize that and drive that point home enough. Don't be afraid. Discarding is not bad. <laughs> you, When
0: you connive, you want to get rid of your least powerful spell in hand. Um, At that tactically appropriate moment. Yes, see, I used the word correctly. <laughs> Yay! We came full circle! Um, also... With uh, Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt, uh, we have a lot of recursion from yeah. the graveyard. Oh yeah! So your graveyard can become your second hand. Yeah. Um. You your graveyard is your friend. Um. Me being our group's resident necromancer. I guess you do have a pretty good Conrad
1: deck. So yeah, let's say yes. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> I am very familiar with Graveyard Recursion. Mm-hmm. The fact that connive lets me essentially put something into the graveyard pretty much for free. Yeah. Well, not just for free, but with a payoff. Yeah. So <laughs> I get an upside to putting something into the graveyard that I can get back at a later date. Oh, well, at a later time when I need it more. Um, this is, the more we are talking about connive, the more I should have actually, I should have actually jumped on it. Um Man, I really like it. All right, so yeah, it's good. <laughs> but you also have to remember to discard wisely, especially in games two and three. Um game one is typically your is where you put out your feelers and yeah. where you try to get a grasp of what type of deck your opponent is playing. Hopefully you win, but if you don't, don't feel too bad about it. You now know, shuffle up,
1: go on to game two. Yeah. Go
0: on to game two. And now you have a better idea of what you want to discard. Right. In games two and three. Um, So discarding wrong isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, No. Especially in game one, because you are going, you're going in blind to first to Mm -hmm. game one you don't know what your opponent is playing and you don't know what you will need. Yeah. Games 2 and 3 that's where you get your stri- that's where you figure out your strategy yeah. and that's where you go in for the win. Um recursion can be useful but not necessary if going for an aggressive deck. Um I know in uh like modern mm-hmm. and uh modern and pioneer there are some I think pioneer goes back far enough for unearthed does it go back to Alara? Uh, no. Pioneer does not. It only goes back to Return to Ravnica. It only goes back to Return to Ravnica. Wow. Yeah. Return but, to Ravnica forward. All right. So in Modern you have Unearth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You have Unearth. You have, but also in, home uh, um, in Pioneer you have Midnight Hunt, Crimson Val with flashback, flashback, Disturb. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Escape as well from Theros Beyond Death. Wow. You don't see it too often, but wow. It's there. I actually forgot about Escape. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because we didn't mention... Most, it. most people... It wasn't Underworld Breach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so recursion can be useful, but it's not necessary if how you are going to be building it. Um, like I said earlier, with uh, Murktide decks, they just use it to fuel another card right. to activate their delirium.
1: Um, or delve away cards for Murktide. Put cards in the graveyard to delve away for Murktide region. They exactly. Just make a huge Murktide read
0: um, Yeah. But you also want to be careful how much connive you include in your deck. Too much can cause problems. Like we've said with a lot of these pass abilities, there is a balance that has to be struck. Not not everything should have connive, but you should have enough in there to make a streamlined solid deck, but you don't want to have... Too many creatures to connive, where you're throwing away too much, yeah. but you also don't want to have not enough creatures that can connive to, um, not really work. So yeah. there is a there is a balance that needs to be struck, and I think that's the premise of a lot of these abilities is you have to find a balance that works. Yeah,
1: yeah, especially with connive, you got to be careful because once you start to connive and again, it's usually not a May ability, you're going to do it. You you have to draw that card, and then you have to discard. And so, yes, you may be getting a lot of card advantage, being able to filter through your deck and decide what you want, and then you're only keeping the best cards every time. But at a certain point, the, the game only goes so long. you know. And at a certain point, y- you could end up decking yourself if you don't pay attention. And we've gotten really close to that in some games before.
0: Uh Decking yourself means you draw your entire deck to where the next time you would draw, oh, right. you lose.
1: Yeah. Or you, you have no cards to draw, or you attempted to draw for an empty library. Right. Uh, so yeah, if if you if you end up doing too much of that... And I forget, there was a game recently. Oh, it was a commander game. Never mind. Different story, different setup, different point. We'll talk about it after. You would love it. <laughs> anyway, so if you're going to play against a connive deck... You really need to get rid of those creatures that can connive repeatedly. And this is where Ledger Shredder is, is becoming an all-star. A lot of the connive creatures, it's, it's very controlled how they're able to connive. Raphine's informant, enters the battlefield, connives. That's it. That's all it does. And if you blink it, okay, you'll get to connive again, but you're, not, you're, you're still only going to get one plus one plus one counter. And because you blinked it, exiled it, and brought it back, it loses the previous one. So you're still only making it a 3-2 in order to connive repeatedly. Plus, you got to do all that extra work. Ledger Shredder, on the other hand, every time, every turn a player casts their second spell, you are conniving. So being able to connive repeatedly like that can be a huge problem. So you got to eliminate those creatures quickly. Pay attention to what the player is discarding. Remember, they're keeping cards that are going to be pertinent to playing against you you don't want to and especially if it's game 1 don't ignore the graveyard pay attention to what they put in the graveyard because especially the cards they put in the graveyard if they're a connive deck because it means they don't see, they don't see them as useful against your deck so odds are they're going out something else will be coming in so really pay attention to your to the graveyard and pay attention to what the player discards also flashback madness depending on what format you're playing both of those can be pertinent as well All right, uh, connive can appear in any deck with some amount of usefulness. Again, ledger shredder. We, we can't bring it up enough, I guess, because it's been such a huge powerhouse in so many different formats. It may be the only card that has connive on it. Rafine is another one. It's the only card that grants connive, but that one card can make a huge difference in the way the game goes. So always be prepared if you if you see blue black and white cards, you could end up going against some connive. Keep the opponent's hand size under control and I think this is something a lot of players fail to look at or their their the, the purpose of their deck doesn't really work in this way and that that's all right it's a very niche format or play style. but if you cause the opponent to have an empty hand when they connive, They draw the card, and then they immediately discard it. And so they don't get a choice. Plus, you're now essentially milling them a card, which, again, works out really, really well. Chris, we've been talking about that Orzhov Prison deck that I have, where one of the main functions of the deck is, early in the game, make you discard cards. So that I eliminate your options at the early part of the game and troll what you're able to do later on. So essentially, my goal is to make it so you're top decking. Yeah. You get one card per turn and that's all you're allowed to do. And so if you can do that against a connive deck, it starts to limit their options. What are they able to do in essentially Your goal is to get them to the way they draw it and discard it. Yes, they may get the connive bonus. That is the plus one plus one counter, but maybe they drew a land and they have to discard a card so they don't get that plus one plus one counter and you just milled them a card, you know? So always keep that in mind. Um, not only that, I mean, again, you're you're eliminating what they have in hand, so they're not able to play as much. It can just become a huge problem. So, uses in different formats. <laughs> have have we discussed Ledger Shredder enough at this point? I mean, <laughs> uh, Ledger
0: Shredder. Uh, let's see. Uh, we've mentioned that Ledger Shredder is very powerful.
1: Yeah. Have we talked about how it's showing up in Legacy and Vintage? In every format. Yeah. Um, I think so. You know, does it show up in Commander? Yes. And I think. I think it might even... Yes, it's even playable in Tiny Leaders. You know where you'll never see it? Popper. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, Ledger Shredder. It's just... It's such a powerful oh. card. And th- this is where you're seeing K'Nive get to multiple...
0: Okay, um, I'm going to be rebuilding my uh, Bruvac... Uh, yeah, my Bruvac Tiny Leader. Because mm-hmm. I have a Ledger Shredder. And I have things that... I have like... Uh, Jace's erasure and stuff like that to where mm-hmm. whenever I draw cards, people mill cards. Right. Um, yeah, so Yeah. And at that point, essentially you could also have connive turn into a way to
1: control. Uh, if you cause your opponent to mill like you were talking about.
0: Well, I, or I, Or if they're sitting at, you know, five life or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, Ledger Shredder's kinda big, if you cast that second spell, he might be he might be able to get big enough. To take you out that's true so yeah it could potentially you know be able to control what your opponent does yeah so ledger shredder
1: uh yeah definitely definitely it's not broken it's just it isn't no, i agree it's not a broken card it really is and i think when they designed the card they really did limit it so that yes it had to be the second spell and that's the only time you get to connive I think what wasn't taken into account or maybe you can't even balance for this because of the way all the different formats go and how fast they go. Casting two spells from each player per turn is nothing in a game of modern. In fact, it's pretty normal in a game of modern. Yeah, I think I, I think
0: so when I had the mana for it, I think I was casting two at least two spells a turn if I could my opponents depending on what deck they were playing. Right. Uh yeah, it wouldn't it wasn't uncommon for them to do like three four spells a turn so mm-hmm. now mind you with ledger shredder it st- it it only triggers once each turn because right because yeah, nothing- it
1: only happens when they cast that second spell so the third fourth fifth, six doesn't do anything which is which is important um, outside of ledger shredder then you're seeing connive appear in standard Rafine
0: mm-hmm. again
1: you see a couple connive cards pop up here and there, but they're not the foundation for them. They are, you, they are just added like bonuses.
0: Added bonuses and utilities. Yeah. Pretty much.
1: Because um, don't get me wrong, being able to connive drawing cards, getting rid of cards that you don't need, uh, helps you filter through your deck a lot better and gives you a bonus to that creature as well. So it, it's it's a nice opportunity. I think it'll be enjoyable in Commander. Um uh, I think you'll see some of that pop up a little bit more, especially in some of the lower-the-ground aggressive decks. You know, being able to get that, that like, I could see Rafine's Informant becoming a nice part of Boros aggro decks. It's a two-drop. You can turn it into a 3-2. You get to draw a card, discard a card. I could see that working out really well. Uh, obviously, Rafine is a fantastic commander. You're building a Rafine deck. Kamiz, amazing. Lots of fun. Lethal lethal scheme, fantastic removal. Both of those are only available in the eternal formats, commander being one. So, I think it's it it's it's a great ability, but we'll see. We'll see how big it actually becomes.
0: You actually kind of gave me an idea. What's that? For my Rafine deck. Um, yeah. Because I plan on going wide with tokens, mystical reflection. Yep,
1: targeting ledger shredder. Oh, making a bunch of ledger shredders. <laughs> making a bunch of ledger shredders. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on. And Chris, I, I we're going to go ahead and let you take over for a while now. Our, our listeners may remember that on the last episode, we had talked to them about how you were going to go do the modern 5K. And we were eager to hear how things went for you. So, Chris inform the listeners all right so when
0: we started the uh 5k it we had 90 players uh so we had seven rounds uh i dropped uh i dropped out of the tournament after three rounds um just because i was going up against some of the top meta decks like top tier decks um and i took a deck that was jank fun and completely non-meta um, but we
1: thought it would still be competitive. I mean, yeah, we we were pretty excited about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: like I was really hopeful to at <laughs> least to you know kind of shake it up and everything. And I actually succeeded on that point because round one, round one, um, I was playing and uh, oh, if you're listening, uh, Ollie, you're amazing and thank you. You made that experience so much better. I played against <laughs> Ollie, round one. Uh, he was playing an Amulet Titan deck. Okay, and I was playing my walls. Um, I actually mulliganed down to five. Ooh. Yeah. That's rough.
1: Yeah. But in a three color deck, you got to make sure you hit your, your, your colors. So yeah.
0: Uh, Um, and so game one, I did no damage to him and, uh, he actually gained some life, uh, at a spot. Okay. Um, and I went from 20, uh, to zero off of valicate damage, primeval Titan damage, uh, Edelon damage. Oh man. Like, just full on, like a full swing at me. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, definitely, like he, he had the optimal starting hand and just absolutely destroyed me. Yeah. Um, and so I have, uh, so on my, so whenever I go to big tournaments like that, I have, like, I take notes on everything, like what caused all the damage. And then I also have, um, some semi coated uh notes on what i sideboard in and out right um and so i have my sideboard notes i si- i put in uh two teos and my three uh incubation incongru- incongruity 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 there we go um and then i took some cards out um and the only reason why i put those ones in is for the incongruity to get rid of the um primeval titan um but, uh, uh, game two? Yeah. Turn one, Incubation. Oh. Five lands.
1: Ooh. And
0: guess what I didn't draw for the rest of the game?
1: Oh, I man. didn't draw
0: any more lands after that. Oh, that's rough. I only had three lands. And then he ended up, uh...
1: Which, don't get me wrong, in that deck, you can do quite a bit, except cast one of the most important cards. Yeah. <laughs> you can't cast Arcades. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, uh... <laughs> And so I had three lands, and he ended up getting a liquid metal coating out. Oh yeah, that and then insane. he also had Karn to where um, I can't activate, I couldn't activate abilities of artifacts I control. Yeah. Um, and so what he would do is he would tap, he would tap his liquid metal co- coating, make one of my uh, lands into an artifact, and then he would use Karn to animate it to where it becomes a zero zero, and I have to, oh, and I. Yeah. Fl- and he destroys my land, basically. Yeah. He did that three turns in a row and I'm just sitting there with no land. Drawing a card, draw pass. Yeah. Draw pass. Draw pass. Oh. And uh he ended up using Karn's ability to get something out of his sideboard. hmm So he grabbed his walking ballesta. It came in as a with four plus one plus one counters on it, and then he removed the four deal lethal yeah. to me. So that was round one. Uh, Like I said, Ollie, thank you for being amazing. You actually made my experience all the more worthwhile uh, just by seeking you out after every round just to let you know how I did. Um, I hope that in the future we cross paths again um, because I would love to play against you again. I really hope I'm not telegraphing what I'm going to be playing next time, but (laughs) oh well, so be it. All right, so that covers round one. Round 2 was against a Murktide deck, one of the top decks in the form. Did not mulligan. Good start. Good start. Um yeah, then uh it w- I fetched for a land and then he just swung him with then the next damage that I took was uh from two Murktides. Oh. Down to 6. And oh. then lethal. Um and then that game, the only dim well for the next for the for game 1 and game 2 the only damage that was dealt to my opponent was by the was self-inflicted. It was either from fetching for lands. Yeah. Or tapping pain lands. I did uh, nothing against them.
1: That's unfair.
0: Um I did have a misplay in uh, game one. He targeted one of my uh one of my creatures. I had a dive down in hand, I forgot I had a lapse of judgment, uh. and I forgot that it gave hex proof, so I could have actually saved my creature. But so you know
1: what? That's it's great that you realize the misplay and you remembered it. You wrote it down. You're gonna think about it, and that's that's how you get better as a player. Is you realize when you make errors and you go through. Yep, and then I was slaughtered by by Murktide. Um, yeah.
0: the biggest highlight of a uh, game two was uh, I was able to incongruity a Murktide.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: he he, he was like a seven seven at that point, and I dropped him down to a three three. That's pretty good. Yep, but then uh, his raggavan and his Channeler also
1: kind of did me in. Oh man! So that covers. That's tough to beat. You're going up against the best deck in the format, though. I mean, it's it's what twenty percent of the meta or something like so that. So I actually looked at it. Okay. And uh, the
0: Monday after the five K. All right. Um, at the time that I, at that time, Amulet Titan was number three. Okay. Oh, sorry. Amulet Titan was number eight. Merc Tide was number one. Mm-hmm. And then the Golgari combo, uh, Golgari uh, Creature Toolbox was... Uh, Is it still up yet? Uh, here. Uh, oh. I don't it, even see it on it the It was top. like number four. Whenever I... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's a Yawgmoth deck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that one... So round three, final round for me. Um, The highlight was... Uh, uh, had a great start uh, opponent had a great start but then just started spinning their wheels okay. um, like they couldn't get the right stuff out to do what the deck what they got it what their deck was designed to do and i if I had had green mana I could have gotten a win but I didn't have it because I turned both yeah. of my uh I, I turned a wall of uh a sorry riptide turtle and a wall of denial sideways because I had high alert out okay I was only able to buff the turtle once so i could only deal 16 damage
1: <laughs> you could only deal 16 damage with two walls let's just point that well, out real a wall quick. and a turtle but let's let's make sure we we point that out real quick yeah 16 damage off of two creatures one swing that's how potent the deck can be when it gets moving well when i was playtesting against you Oh, I, my word. I turned two walls
0: sideways and did 26 damage to you. Exactly. I mean, you just I dropped in and you, smacked it. I, in one, in yeah. one turn, you went from 20 to dead. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, uh, so that was game one. I almost got it, but then it was pretty much a clutch or kick moment. And I was like, I'm just going to try to do as much damage. Oh, sorry. I forgot to tell you. Uh, game two, the... Uh, Another highlight was uh, my opponent did not... Round two. Game two, round two. Game two, round two. My opponent did not take me out. You did. I took myself out. Got it. Yep. I was at two life. I drew a (laughs) Fet. Sorry, I drew a Shockland. And I went, it's going to come into play untapped. Game over. (laughs) I I went out on my terms. Um, So back to round three, game two. He got his combo off. Uh... So with Yawgmoth... uh, blood artists and then undying creatures yeah so he was able to sacrifice creatures bring them back put a negative minus one one right. kill on them and then rinse and repeat to where he did it 28 he was like i have more life than car uh sorry i have more de- i have more cards in my library than i do life yeah and it's more than what you have that's game yeah it's like all right i trust you on this one but can you at least like explain it to me so that i can
1: you know, so Which, again, I want to point out for some of our less experienced listeners, if you're going to any event, you are absolutely within your right. If your opponent looks at you and says, yeah, I basically have an infinite combo here, um, you are with, well within your right to look at them and say, I need you to explain to me how it works.
0: And, well, he said, all right, it's like, "All right." just so you know, I do have... So he kind of like did a rough explanation. It's like, look, this is how I'm going to do it. Long story short, you're going to lose. I'm going to win. And I was like, all right, I completely understand, and I trust you, but just explain it to me. And he's like, okay, these creatures have Undying. I put a minus one, I will sacrifice him. Uh, I will use Yawgmoth to sacrifice the creature. It's going to come back. I'm going to put the minus one, minus one counter onto the other one to where it doesn't have them. Because minus one, minus one counters, and plus one, plus one counters annihilate each other. They go poof. And so... as a state-based action. Yeah. So it essentially, they don't exist on that creature anymore. Which allows the Undying
1: to trigger again and again and again. And again and again. Yeah.
0: And then he had a um, Blood Artist out. So yeah. every time that... And so as soon as he had the Blood Artist out, he was netting zero life loss. Right. Because he would gain one from the Blood Artist. He would lose one from Yawgmoth. Well, he would lose one from Yawgmoth, gain one from Blood the Blood Artist. Artist but I would still be taking the damage. You were getting drained life, yeah. And so he just looped it to where. Yeah. I, it's like. Okay, Not much you
1: can do in that regard. All right.
0: 15. Yay. Yeah. Um, And like, I can even, like, you can even look on my notes and go, okay, uh, he lost a life for a fetch land, lost two life for a shock land. Yogg Moth, Yogg Moth, Yogg Moth, Yogg Moth, Yogg Moth, Yogg Moth, 28. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Duty Yogg Moth.
0: No, uh Blood Artist, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, Yeah, you win. Yeah. So I mean, I went into but a highlight of the tournament itself. I was playing in round three. As soon as uh there was a guy that came over, I'm like was like, Dude, are you playing walls? I was like, Yeah. I was like, Can I look at your deck? It's like, yeah. So I you know, put so I re- sideboarded out what I had done, you know, mm-hmm. get it back to um which you needed to do anyway. Yeah. So it was you fine. Get it back to original. Yeah. And I handed it to him. He's like, dude, this is awesome. It's like, I am, I think I have a whole of these. I'm totally going to build this. And so after I dropped, because I didn't need my deck list anymore, I found the guy and was like, hey, here's the deck list. Knock yourself out. Right. And then <laughs> uh, the guy that I play, the Murktide guy, he was actually the treasurer for the OSU Magic Club. Oh, wow. And he also kind of wanted the deck list uh-huh. um, because they have. Uh, every now and then, they'll have $20 Modern Night. So, they play modern decks, but the limit is $20. Oh, that's cool. The deck cannot go minus lands. You know, right, of
1: course, yeah. Minus yeah, basics and everything, yeah. you know,
0: because that's where we trick out everything. Yeah. Um. So, including lands. Mm-hmm. Um. It has to be $20 or less nice and I think mine comes out if you take all of the you take the expensive lands if, out. If you, if you take all of the non-basics out it actually comes in right around $20 that's awesome yeah, yeah so I'm like
1: yes if I'm ever in OSU for that I'll do it well you know and that's that really says something too about the way modern has become when someone does bring a deck that is outside the box doesn't show up in the meta and it is clever. It's unique and people see that you're able to play it well and you know what you're doing and you have an actual game plan that is just different. People like it and they they want to do those different ideas. They want to try something outside the box. But coming to a tournament where you're playing for money or prizes in some case or another, you know, not everybody is willing to take that risk. They want to go in and win. Case in point this uh, this point that I have right here and that is um
0: so as I said, it was an overall fun experience. Right. But creativity is sacrificed in lieu of competitive. Yeah. Um. There was one person there that was playing Demir Mill. Nice. I w- <laughs> Part of me wishes that I had stayed. That I had stayed in because there was a high because he was about the same records as I was. Uh-huh. So there was a high likelihood that him and I were going to be paired against each other. I was like, oh, totally wish I could have done. Totally wish that I could have done it, but at
1: that point, like, I was just... I was just... Yeah. I was beaten. One of the things you had really said that I think sticks out a lot to me, the people who bring creative decks to the event, your entry fee is really going to fuel the prize pot that's available, the prize pool that's available to the people who are not Rex that are bringing the, the, the high meta decks that are designed to win.
0: The ones that are spending anywhere, like, let's see, Merktide is sitting at $1,200. Uh, Four-Color Elementals is at almost $1,900. Right. Yawgmoth is almost, like, $1,000. So these decks, uh, all right,
1: so... Oh, burn. there's a Burn, Boros Burn, that's only 500 You know, so you, you, you got to remember.
0: Yeah, well, that's also because it's the Edelons. Yeah. And
1: then, uh... But but we do want to make sure that our our listeners know. Yes, it probably means that if you bring something creative and that is not in the meta, it might not work out really well for you. You you may have a, a time where you get just a beat down game after game after game after game. But in your case, you inspired several people. It's just a shame that you had to pay an entry fee to inspire several people to build a deck that was new, different, creative outside the meta and still such great synergy. I mean, it's still a potent deck. It just has a tough time going up against some of the top decks in the meta. But the tournament wasn't a complete wash. I finally got a copy of Cabal Coffers and a Hinata. Well, there you go. <laughs> so
0: so well, That's true.
1: Yeah, because they did have several... Uh,
0: uh, um, they had uh, the Realm there as, right. as vendors, and then they also had uh, another one uh, for vendors. Uh, another that's the vendor. word. Vendors. That's the word I was looking um, for. Yeah. And they had a $1,000 card in the case. Nice.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I looked at it and went, that'd be nice. Yeah. Chris, I think we've given our our listeners a lot to think about at this point. Not just with connive, but with your experience at the 5K as well. Do you think you'll go back and do any more? Uh, Outside of, I know we both want to do the RCQ. We, we both want to do the regional championship for Pioneer.
0: I think the RCQ
1: might be the next
0: Big one that I go to, I don't think I'm going to be going to any, if there is a magic fest, Mm -hmm. I'll be tempted to go just because I had a blast the last time I went. Right. And if they do have another, if there is another one, I am going to be talking you in. You're going to be calling in sick. (laughs) Uh, If you don't have any sick days, you're going to be calling in dead. Um, I will drag you, I will kidnap you and drag you to the Grand Prix because it is a blast. Modern, like 5Ks, 1Ks, do you think you'd be interested in any more? Modern, probably not. Pioneer, yeah. maybe. Because, at least with Pioneer, it's a lot of the
1: more problematic broken cards mm-hmm. aren't in it. Um, well, the Fetchlands are out. I mean, they're banned straight from the get-go. Mm-hmm. They, they and, didn't even give those a chance. They just banned them.
0: Primeval Titan isn't in it. Right.
1: like uh, Murktide Regent, not available. Murktide isn't
0: in there. Um, Amulet Titan isn't in there uh boros burn is in is in there because you can get to uh you can have some semblance of boros burn in there right um but for the most part pioneer is a lot more i think i'm going to say towards more pioneer than i am modern okay um but yeah pioneer if there's an event i'll be tempted to go to it modern no okay well with all of that being said Uh, as I said at the top of the episode, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also do so on Facebook and Twitter using the handle mtgunderthehood. And with that, thank you for listening to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.